Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. And he says to us, be you holy, even as I am holy. For without holiness, without sanctification, without a life free from sin, you can't see God, who can ascend into the presence of the Lord. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. The problem is, God wants you to be holy. Man wants to be happy. And God understands that the only way that you can be happy is to be holy. And he revealed that to you in the scripture because he gave you ten, not suggestions, but commandments. And he said, if you live this way, you'll be happy. And if you violate these principles, you'll be unhappy. So if you do these things, you will live in the state of relation, right relationship with God and have holiness of life. And therefore, you will be happy. And he revealed himself. He's a holy God. He has a holy son, a holy savior. We have a holy spirit, a holy Bible, holy angels, and a holy heaven. He wants his people to be holy. And man is only happy when he's in right relationship with God and right relationship with others, and living in this state of holiness. But our problem is we have this wrong concept of holiness. Uh, When we say the word holy or holiness, our mind immediately goes back to old-fashioned tent meetings, sawdust days, revival meetings. Or maybe it goes back to Pharisees with long robes and long prayers, you know, or, or, or maybe if you're in the wholeness movement like I was, it goes back to people that had uh, long prayers and long dresses and jean skirts and long hair and long tongues. Maybe that was your concept of holiness. Maybe it was rules, you know, no drinking, no dancing. We used to say no mixed bathing. I never wanted to bathe with anyone else anyway, but uh, we would use that term for swimming, you know. And so it was uh, taboos and convictions. And basically it was this attitude of if you're holy, you can't have any fun. And we'd make these little cute statements like, uh, uh, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. You know, lips that have touched wine will never touch mine. So uh, we got this concept of what holiness really is, and we have usually associated with people that are judgmental and critical and we don't understand what biblical holiness is really about. And so, you know, I mean, there's no way I can do these core doctrines in 30 minutes, you understand that? We act as if holiness was either outdated or something that characterizes only a small part of our lives. We are rapidly forsaking our historical commitment to holiness Recent polls show that now in the church, we are in step with American culture in the practices of divorce, spousal abuse, extramarital sex, pornography, consumption, materialism, and racism, just to name a few. 
While we tip our cap to the importance of holiness, many in our culture don't view us as morally different in any other way than them. And it goes back to the fact that we don't understand what biblical holiness is really about. And so how do I address and deal with we prayerfully value holiness? Well, I tried to do this once here before and I looked at my old notes and it would take probably an hour and a half to, to do all those notes. Uh, I could take the historical approach and tell you about our historical relationship with Methodism and the wholeness movement of the 1800s and how that John Wesley preached about Christian perfection and holiness. Sanctification is a distinct, definite, instantaneous second work of grace in the heart of a fully justified believer. But you probably wouldn't want to hear about the 1800s. So I could just tell you to read the booklet on our core values, and I hope you will. Because that lesson on We Prayerfully Value Holiness was written by my friend Gary Yates. And it's one of the best dissertations on what holiness, biblical holiness is that you'll ever read. Or I could send you to www.iphc.org and you could pull up the January Experience magazine and you could read the article by our presiding bishop, Doug Beecham, as he, in a concise way, talks about what biblical holiness really is. So I thought I could address it like that. And then I thought, well, maybe I could sing. Not, but, uh, but, but I remember all those songs of my childhood in the Nazarene church. And so I pulled up the one that stuck out in my mind as we would celebrate holiness in that church nearly every Sunday. And we'd sing the song, Called unto holiness, church of our God, purchase of Jesus, redeemed by his blood, call from the world and its idols to flee, call from the sin, the bondage of sin to be free. Called unto holiness, children of light, walking with Jesus in garments of white, raiment unsullied nor tarnished with sin, God's Holy Spirit abiding within. And we'd sing, Holiness unto the Lord is our watchword and song. Holiness unto the Lord as we're marching along. Sing it, shout it loud and long. Holiness unto the Lord, now and forever. In fact, our song director would always change it. And he'd say, it was real slow in that one piece of the, the course. Sing it, shout it, and then he would hold it out and we would say, live it loud and long. Holiness unto the Lord, now and forever. And then if I wanted to be contemporary, I would pull up the words to holiness. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. So take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours. To yours, O oh Lord. Or the newest one. There's got to be more than going back and forth from doing right to doing wrong. Because we were taught that who we are, come on, get in line right behind me, you along with everybody, thinking there's no worth in what you do. Then like a hero who takes the stage, we're on the edge of our seat saying, it's too late, let me introduce you to amazing grace. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is the cross, the cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is the cross is made. The cross has made you flawless. And so, well, we won't sing, so 
So then I thought, well, I can do a word study because I love word studies. And I can take you back into the Old Testament and study the word Kadash or Kadesh. And the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who breaks forth shiningly, the Lord who is holy, the Lord who is distinctly and uniquely one of a kind. For there is no other like him. He is holy. And so holy means that we are uniquely his, that we have been transformed into one of a kind. We have been cleansed and set apart. We have become separated unto him for his service so that he can break through our lives shiningly. Or we come into the New Testament with hagios, which means that we're set apart for special services, that we're cleansed and consecrated, that we are separated from the world so that we can be totally dedicated to God and he can shine forth his purpose through us. Or I could read our articles of faith. Maybe some of you would like to do that because not only does it say what we believe, but there's a series or a part of it on amplification that tells you why we believe. Or maybe I could just quote the scriptures. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, that every one of you know how to possess this vessel in sanctification and honor. They that be Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust thereof. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Jesus said, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Oh, I pray that the God of peace would sanctify you wholly through and through completely, that your whole body and soul and spirit would be preserved blameless, not pickled, preserved. Because pickled is sour, but preserved is sweetened. So that your whole body and soul and spirit will be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. Faithful is he who called you who also will do it. They that be Christ have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of their lamb. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. There's a bunch of others. I could quote those too. But why do we value holiness? Because holiness is an experience called sanctification. It is a cleansing of our old man and a consecration of ourself to God. It is an inward and an outward work. It is a choice between not what's good and evil, but what's good and what's best. It prepares us to live. It prepares us to serve. It prepares us to receive the Holy Spirit. It prepares us to live uh, eternally. It is a complete work. It is God's will. But why do we value it? Well, I came up with two things. First of all, because it shows us our right relationship to God with the cross, through the cross. And secondly, it gives us the ability to live a new way, inside out. Where that we're no longer conformed and squeezed into the model and the image and the desirings of this present generation but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind that we no longer live from the outward conformity of the world, but we live inside out. We live from this inner relationship that we have with God, that all of our thoughts, all of our appetites are molded not by what the world dictates, but by what God wants. 
for we're living in a new relationship with God. We're no longer controlled by the outward world, by temptations and desires, by lust, but by the hidden man of the heart. We're living inside out. And so to explain this reason we value holiness, let's look at our relationship with the cross. Because you see, first of all, we come to the cross. The Christian at the cross is salvation. And I wrote in your notes that you have in your hand the scriptures in Colossians 1, 13, 14, 20, 22. Literally, he says, what you need to understand is that you're redeemed by the shedding of his blood. That through his death on the cross, you now have redemption and salvation. That the only way that we can come to know God is through what God did for us in his son on the cross. And we all come at the cross. And it is at the cross that we meet Jesus. It is at the cross that we find salvation. And the cross is the same for everyone. Because at the cross, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, but we're all one in Jesus Christ. Because, you see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we all come to the cross the same way. Sinners, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We all blew it. We knew if we kept the commandments that we would be holy and we would have happiness. But we all failed. We missed the mark. We fell short. We transgressed. We are sinners. We have willful decisions to sin against God. And so we come at the cross. But it's at the cross we realize that we are redeemed by the shedding of His blood. And that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. That we're redeemed not by corruptible things like silver and gold from the vain conversation of our life that we receive from the elders, but by the incorruptible blood of Jesus as the Lamb of God. No spot, no blemish. That He took my sins out of the way and bore them in His own flesh upon the cross. He took the handwritings of ordinances and the laws of commandments that were against me and He nailed them to His cross. And when I come at the cross... I see the way of salvation. I wish you had time. You could go to number seven. And when they dedicated the brazen altar in the tabernacle, and the brazen altar is the place of sin offering and trespass offering, and it's the place where men are forgiven of their sins. When they dedicated it 12 times, you get bogged down in Numbers chapter 7. Because 12 times they list the exact offering that each tribe brought. And every offering is the same. It doesn't deviate. You read 12 times that they brought this piece of silver that weighed this one. Why? Because when you come to the cross, there's equal ground. It doesn't matter what tribe you're from. It doesn't matter what nationality you're from. It doesn't matter what family you're from. We all come to the cross the same lost. And there's only one sacrifice for sin. And that's at the cross. And so we sang the song, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. 
And it's at the cross I become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And I have a new love and a new joy and a new faith and a new allegiance. And I'm accepted in the blood, in the beloved and I'm adopted in the family and I have access to come boldly before the throne of grace. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that at the cross my sins are forgiven and I'm saved. Amen? And so we used to sing, I'm saved, and I know that I am. But we have a problem. After we're saved, we discover something. Everything's not settled. We have this new nature of Christ within us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we have our own human nature. But we discover that there is a problem. There is another nature. Warring in our members. We call it the Adamic nature. The principle of sin. Carnality. The old man. What we inherited because we are the sons of Adam. And all of a sudden we discover that there's this problem within us. That there is this war going on in our heart. Oh, I'm a new creation. Christ is in me. I have my own human nature left. But there's this other principle. The sin principle that's trying to push me back into sinful living, that, that, that is bringing envy and strife and hatred and variance and emulation and murders. and It's not what goes into my life that condemns or corrupts. It's what comes out, evil thoughts and evil surmisings and fornication. And this principle, this war is raging within my heart. Paul described that in Romans. He said, I loved God after the inner man. But I discovered there was this war going on. And when I tried to do good, evil came up. And I backed off and said, I'll do better next time. And I tried harder and I failed farther. Oh, hallelujah. And there was this constant battle. You know how he said it? Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? You know, that's a word picture in the Greek. Justice in the Roman Empire was swift. If you killed somebody and they knew you were the murderer, there was no appeals, no Supreme Court intervention. Many times they would take the body of the person you murdered and they would tie that body to your body, face to face, hand to hand, foot to foot. And the punishment was you would bear that dead corpse until the corruption of that rotting flesh entered into your own life and you died as well. And that's what Paul's describing. He said, I I have this wonderful new nature of Christ, uh, but there's this old war going on, and I'm caring about this body of death that I inherited, this body of sin, this sin principle that I got from Adam, and I'm a wretched man. Who can deliver me? Who can cut the bands? Who can set me free? And he said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when Jesus goes to the cross, He doesn't go just so that you can be saved, but so that you can be sanctified, cleansed, separated, 
that the old man can be crucified. Paul, and I wrote it in your notes, Paul describes this in Romans chapter 6, knowing that our old man is crucified with him and the body of sin is now dead. We, we know that when he died, he died unto sin. But when that he lives, he lives unto God. Sin hath no more dominion over him. So we are baptized with him in death, but we're resurrected with him in the newness of life. And sin hath no more dominion over us because I've been crucified with Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians. I had been just come at the cross. I got on the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. I want you to notice Paul didn't say stoned. He didn't say I've been stoned with Christ. Because he knew you could escape stoning. Because he did. They stoned him and left him for dead. God raised him up or they didn't get the job done. But he knew that if you ever get on a cross... You're not going to get off until you die. That's why when Jesus said to Peter, okay now, in order to do what God wants me to do, I have to go to Jerusalem and be, be uh, crucified by the wicked hands of men. And Peter said, be it far from you, Lord. Why? He knew that if his master gets across, he gets across. And he didn't want to get on the cross. Paul says, I want to tell you what. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm not only at the cross, I'm on the cross. I crawled up on the cross of Jesus Christ and I was crucified with Him. Nevertheless, I live by human nature. But it's not I that live any longer. It's Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I'm not only at the cross, I'm on the cross. And I've been buried with Him in that baptism. I've been circumcised with that circumcision without hands that the body of sin is removed. I, I have this cleansing experience. Oh, see it in Isaiah chapter 6. Your iniquity is forgiven, but your sin, not sins, sin, the old man is purged. See it in the disciples as he brings them to the upper room and breathes on them and says, Receive Holy Ghost, and they're transformed. But they're still arguing about who's going to be the greatest and who's going to get the right hand and the left. And before they go to the upper room for the baptism, he leads them out as far as to Bethany and he raises his hands and he blesses them. And the word bless there means to make whole and complete. And they return to Jerusalem. How? With great joy, praising and magnifying the name of the Lord because the old nature has been nailed to the cross. But they're not dead. They've been resurrected in the newness of life. And it's not them that's living any longer. It's Christ that's living within them. And so it is both a cleansing and a consecrating experience. It is the fact that I... I'm on the cross. Therefore, my will becomes one with His. You know what the results of being sanctified is? Love. John Wesley called it a baptism of burning love. There's no rebellion anymore. The old rebellious man is dead. He's nailed to the cross. Uh, the, the sins of the flesh are mortified. Uh, Paul put it like this in Col uh, Colossians. He said, seeing that you have risen with Christ, set your affection on things that are above. Set your love. On that which is above. Because you have died. And your life is hidden with God in Christ. And you've been resurrected in the newness of life. So you mortify these deeds that are upon the flesh. This old nature. And not only do you mortify those things. But you go a step further. And you put away wrath and anger and blaspheming and lying. You deal with all those. And you put on mercy and compassion. 
and charity, which is the bond of perfection. In other words, your will has now become one. Your willful transgressions are gone in salvation. But now your will has become one with the fathers. The rebellion's over. The old man is crucified. But you're alive. And the result is you love God totally. More than houses and lands and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and cell phones and Facebook and social media and electronic games. You love him totally. And that attitude comes into an action. And you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you love your enemies. And you pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. And you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So that you have this, this attitude that's been changed because the rebellion is over and it flows into the action of loving everyone and you begin to live Matthew 5, 6, and 7 which is biblical wholeness. You turn the other cheek, you go the second mile. You pray for those that despitefully use you. They take your coat, you give your cloak. Oh, nobody's saying amen. But that's what biblical wholeness is all about. The fact that now I've been crucified on the cross and therefore, I live, but it's not I. And not only is it love, but it's peace. The war is over. There's no longer any rebellion in my heart. The things I used to want to do, I don't want to do anymore. If I glory, I glory in the cross by which I have been crucified to the world. And the world has been crucified to me. So I don't want to live that way anymore. The rebellion's gone. Oh, you got it. Okay. And it's not only peace, but it's joy. When the war is over, nobody has to tell you to raise your hands. Nobody has to tell you to clap. Nobody has to tell you to praise God because you know the struggle that you used to have, but you've been on the cross, and now you're resurrected in the newness of life, and the old man is dead, and you're alive in Christ, and your heart's filled with joy. So, there's one thing that remains. We're at the cross, which is salvation. We're on the cross, which is sanctification. But there's a third thing that we forget. After we have come at the cross and on the cross, we have to get under the cross. Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, if you're going to follow after me, listen to what he says. This was repeated in all the scriptures I've listed for you. If you're going to really follow me now, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. In other words, since you're at the cross and you're saved and you're on the cross and you've been sanctified, cleansed, and consecrated to God, your willful transgressions are gone. Your will is one with His will. This is the way you live. Selfless, sacrificially, surrendered, Service. You take up the cross. First of all, he said, what I want you to do is to deny yourself. You start living inside out because of this. Well, Brother Bob, you're trying to tell me that I can't sin. Uh uh. Holiness and sanctification is not the inability to sin, it's the ability 
not to sin. You don't have to live under sin's dominion any longer. You don't have to live up and down and back and forth and in and out, victory and defeated. It is the ability not to sin. Oh, hallelujah. It is Christian perfection, not angelic perfection. We're not there yet. We're going to be glorified one day, but not yet. We still can be tempted. Oh, we're all tempted. But no longer is it from within. No longer is this their old nature in me prompting me to sin, moving me to... It all comes from without. The devil comes from without to tempt me. Well, what does he move on? My natural self. My nature. Oh, you want to see how? Right quick. You got to eat. If you don't eat, you're going to die. So eating is the way you're created. That is your natural man, your natural elements of your life. So what does the devil do? He moves from without. And he tries to make you overeat, which the Bible calls gluttony, which is a sin. Oh, that bounced all the way back up here. And we, instead of eating to live, we start living to eat. Oh, come on. So he, he comes against a rest. If you don't rest a certain amount of time, you'll have a mental breakdown. And so the enemy comes from without and tries to turn that rest to making you a sluggard. Well, lazy is what the Bible says. You want to rest all the time. Recreation, entertainment, fun. That's the way you're created. There's nothing wrong with that except the enemy comes from without and all you ever want to do is have pleasure and be entertained and play games. Okay, now let's really get real. Sex. Well, that was a shock. It's the way you're created. Nothing wrong with sex. You're male and female because he created you that way with natural and normal desires that we call a sexual desire. Nothing wrong with that. But the enemy comes from without and tries to twist and pervert it to take it out of the context God intended, which is one man for one woman forever. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I know that. But. And so he tries to twist it to pornography, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. He tries to twist it to homosexuality or any other perversion. He tries to take it away from what God intended it. So no longer are we tempted from within. The old man is dead. But the enemy moves from without and tries to draw us back into sin through the lust of our eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He tries to turn our ambition and our desire to have excellence, excellence into pride of life and self-aggrandizement. But we don't live that way anymore. We shun the appearance of evil. Amen. If it appears evil, we don't have anything to do with it. We eschew evil, the King James said. You know what that means? Literally, Paul said, and when evil comes in stage right, you go out stage left. Abhor that which is evil. Because what the word abhor means, that something stinks so bad, you avoid it. And sin is such a stinky element that we avoid it. Amen. We have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Amen. <laughs> Why? Because... I've been on the cross 
and the old man is dead. And my life is filled with love and joy and peace. And the life that I'm now living, it's not me, but it's Christ that's living within me. And I don't want to do anything that would break that relationship. Do I? Do I want to crucify the Son of God afresh? Bring Him to an open shame? Do despite to the blood of the covenant by which we were sanctified? No. I don't want to have any fellowship with anything that's going to destroy that right relationship in my heart with God. So if it's evil, appears to be evil, I flee also youthful lusts that war against the soul. I run away from it. I no longer have fellowship. And I know you're looking at me and you're saying, you can't live like that. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. But if you live like that, you'll miss out on what? What am I going to miss out on? Oh, I was saved and sanctified and baptized with the Holy Spirit in 1964. So I missed out on the sexual revolution. Thank God. I missed out on disease and broken relationship and divorce. And by God's grace, 51 years of committed marriage. I missed out. I missed out on the drug culture. Thank God. I, I missed out on movies. Because I don't go. And I don't go because it's a conviction within me that comes out of my childhood experience in the Nazarene church and the little hometown that I lived in. I know they changed and we only had one theater and everybody knew if you went and they knew what you watched. And I know we don't live that way anymore, but I don't go. But you know what I missed out on? Adult language. Oh, I really want to sit in a small auditorium with another 150 people and hear people dropping F-bombs and taking the name of my Lord in vain. I, I really missed out on that. Oh, come on, you guys are... I, I really missed... You know what I missed out on in movies? Adult content. Which is gratuitous violence and sex and nudity and people copulating on the screen. That's what I missed out on. Oh, now, if you can sit there and not be tempted, I want to talk to you after service because you're a better person than I am. And you know what the Bible says? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And if you go somewhere, you do something, you place yourself in a situation where you know you're going to be tempted. And you do it anyway. And say, God, keep me. Guess what? He ain't going to do it. Because you've opened yourself up to the devil. And the Bible says, give no place to the devil. It's kind of like the story I heard of a, an old, uh, uh, an old bishop and a young preacher, and the young preacher came to him in tears and said, oh, you're 83 years old and you've lived for the Lord all this life and, and I'm really struggling with temptation and the lust of the flesh and, and, and I'm seeing things that, that I shouldn't be seeing. And, and I want you to tell me at what age does all that go away? And the 83-year-old bishop looked at him and said, Sonny, when I get there, I'll tell you. Friend, I missed out on all that. Society says we're maimed and we're deformed, but Jesus said it would be better to enter into the life with one eye gone and one hand off and one foot off than to go into hell whole. There's a way that you can live. We're not only at the cross and under the cross, uh, on the cross, but you're under the cross. 
and your will becomes one with his. And so if anything is immoral, you don't do it. If it's immoderate, let your moderation be known to all men. All things are lawful, but all things are not necessary. All things are lawful, but I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. I've tasted the goodness of God and his mercy. I know his love and his joy and his peace, and I don't want to go back to any of the weak and beggarly elements of this world. And if it's immodest, I don't have anything to do with it because I don't longer live by the outward adorning, but I live by the inner man of the heart. And so I'm not only at the cross and not on the cross, but I'm under the cross. And, and I've given you a little card in your book, and it says, should I or shouldn't I? And it'll help you to decide what you should or shouldn't do. The tests are right there. What does God's Word say? Specifically, if God says no, all your prayers are not going to make it right. What does God say in a general way? Shun the appearance of you evil. If it appears to be evil, avoid it. If it's immodest, leave it. What does the Holy Spirit say? He leads you and guides you into all truth. So what is the Holy Spirit saying in your heart? Does he convict you of what you're doing? That's his job, to convince you of sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay, quickly. What? And how does it affect you? Let peace be the arbitrator in your heart. Are you at peace? It is God that is within you now, both the will and to do of his own good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. But listen to how he says it, work it out. With fear, awe and respect and reverence for God, and trembling, scared, fearful, shaking, lest you would do anything to break your relationship with God. How does it affect you? How does it affect your brothers and sisters, saints. Because if your liberty causes somebody else to stumble and fall, would you destroy a brother or sister in Christ by your own liberty? Therefore, Paul said, if I'm eating meat, and my meat, eating meat in liberty, destroys my brother's relationship with God, I'll not eat any meat as long as the world lives. Because I'm not going to destroy another saint by something I'm doing. I don't have time to even go into that. How does it affect sinners? Do they think it's wrong? Do they think you're being hypocritical? You have to answer those questions. If you're under the cross. And then finally, how does it affect your ability to to witness? Both in your life and your words to those that are around you. We live under the cross. So, have you come at the cross? Have you got on it? Are you dead? I've been crucified. But now I live. But it's not really me. It's Jesus. He's living within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And so I deny myself. I take no thought for my own desire. Not self-denial. Every religion practices self-denial. Denying of self means that you subjugate. You abrogate all your thoughts and wants and wills and desires, you no longer take notice of what you want. And you take up your cross daily. So what does that mean? Willful transgressions and sin? Your will one with his and sanctification? Daily under the cross. That means the cross you bear is where your will crosses his will. And your will dies. And his will Because I don't know everything about God. I've served him for 50 some years. I'm still learning. You know how I learned? Through the washing of the water by the word. So I read something in the word. But there's no longer rebellion in my heart against that. 
And when the Lord says it, my will dies. It may be contrary to what I want, but my will dies. And I take up my cross, and His will lives. And I follow Him. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Or mountain, or plain, or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be because I've been at the cross. But I'm on the cross. But I'm resurrected and now I'm under it. Filled with love and joy and peace. Selfless. Sacrificing my own will. Surrendered to His will. Serving. Are you there? There's a song and I close there, there's a song. And it says, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. But that's not the original. The original, of course, said this, Must Simon bear his cross alone? And all the rest go free. No, every saint of his will find his own. And there's one for me. I want you to stand. Have you come at the cross? It's only there you find salvation. Have you gotten on the cross? How do you do that, Brother Bob? Same faith that brought you to the cross. You, you, you know that he died. He's resurrected newness of life. Sin is destroyed. So you reckon yourself dead unto sin but alive unto God. And you yield. Present yourself. You get on the cross. And you ask him, sanctify me. Crucify the old man. Let me live, but not I. Live within me. And then when you come off the cross, you pick it up. Selfless, self-denial, sacrificially, surrendered, serving, going, being, doing, living like he was. There may be somebody here right now. You've never come at the cross to find Him in the forgiveness of your sins, your willful transgressions, nailed to the cross, a new creation. You could come this morning because the cross is ever here. Maybe some of you have never been on the cross. You've never been sanctified. There's still that war going on rebellion in your heart. You can crawl on the cross with Him. He'll resurrect you in the news of life. But I want to ask you a personal question. Are you under it? If you're His follower, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross daily and live under it and follow Him. I've asked a couple of helpers to come. I know we're running out of time. But I sense in my heart that some of you need to get under the cross. You've been at, you've been on. 
but you're not surrendered and under. And, and what I did was just made a cross beam. In 1633, at a place called Mount Oberammergau, Germany, the bubonic plague was all around them and they prayed and said, God, if you'll spare us from this plague, we'll honor you the rest of our lives. And in 1634, the whole town put on the passion play of Jesus because he spared them from the bubonic plague that was destroying that world. And every year after that, the whole community would turn out and they would put on the passion play of Jesus' life. The whole community. And they did it year after year after year. And finally now, it's gone on for centuries and now they're just doing it on zero years. They did it in 2010. They'll do it in 2020. It's become a, a, a tourist attraction. People all over the world come to see that play. And some Americans were there and they watched the performance of that passion play and the man who played Jesus. After it was over, it's a town, so you get to be with the characters and the people. They're just townspeople. And the American man went back to, to the man that played Christ. And he said, oh, honey, take here, here's a cell phone. Take pictures, take pictures. We're going we're gonna to show these pictures. And really, we will really thrill our friends and we'll really show them. And he said, oh, it's got to be a dramatic picture. And all of a sudden, he saw the cross that the man bore in the play lying over on the side. And he ran over and, and he's going to pick it. He said, I'm going to put this on my shoulder and I'm going to stand next to the guy who played Jesus. Take my picture. And he grabbed the cross. He couldn't pick it up off the ground. He was startled. He said, I thought it would be a prop. I thought it would be cardboard or paper mache or, or styrofoam. He said, why in the world would you torture yourself by trying to lift this heavy cross? And the man that played Jesus looked at him and said, Sir, if I don't feel the weight of his cross, I can't play his part. And if you don't feel the weight of his cross, you can't live out the life he wants you to live. Are you under it? And so I just made a crude one. It's heavy. And I wonder if you want to get under His cross. Before you leave today, at, on, and under. And if you do, I'm going to ask you to come. There's one on each side. And while they sing and we pray, this is my commitment, Brother Bob. I've been at, I've been on, but now I'm surrendered. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. And I'm going to pick up His cross. And I'm going to live daily under. And you're just going to walk right across here from one side to the other. And somebody else will take the cross. Are you willing? Is anybody here that wants to bear his cross? Must he bear it alone? No. Every saint of his will find their own. And there's one for me. If you want to live under his cross then I want you to demonstrate it this morning by faith. They're going to help you. I know it's heavy, but that's what it's supposed to be. And if you'd like to make a commitment right now in your own life to live under the cross of Jesus, denying yourself, taking that cross up and following Him, I want you to come from right, right from where you are. And I want you to pick this up. And by faith, walk it right over there. I'm going to get under His cross this morning. The war's over. My heart's filled with love and joy and peace.
and I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to take it up and follow Jesus. Some of you can come on this side. I have two lines going, but I want to be under his cross. I want the beauty of holiness in my life and I want him to live his life through me. I want him to live his life through me. Obey the Lord right now. Father, right now, we commit ourselves to you. As we make this journey, Lord, we're saying, I'm denying myself, taking no thought of my own desire and will. My will's one with yours. And I'm taking up my cross where my will crosses yours. Mine's dead. And I'm following you, Lord. I'm following you, Lord. I'm following you. I'm going where you want me to go. Being what you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm yours, Lord. Make that commitment as you're walking. Lord, I'm under the cross. I'm following you. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Spirit, move right now. There may be somebody here while these are walking. You need to get at the cross and repent of your sins. Some of you need to crawl on the cross and be sanctified. Obey the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm yours. I'm yours. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Lord Jesus, God, this morning, I pray that you'd help us to get to the cross, God. But God, not stop there, but get on the cross. But God, not stop there and live our life under the cross. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Well, you may be seated for just one moment. What an incredibly powerful illustration. If you didn't get a chance, those are going to stay right there after the service is over. You can come and grab it and carry it. So this morning, we're going to do a few things. We are uh, bribing you. We've got some giveaways that we're going to do at the end of this service. But if you'll just take time and fill out your name, everybody in this room can enter this drawing if you do this. Fill out your name, your address, and your email. We're going to make sure that our system is up to date with your information, your current information. So if you've moved, and then I've got two $50 gift cards that we're going to give away. So you can fill that out. While you do that, um, I'm going to have you just drop them in the buckets. But before we do that, I want to take this time. And if this is your first time to Passion, we want to welcome you. If you'll take some time and fill out this communication card, the same one everyone is this morning. And if you would take it to Pastor Andrew back there in the back, he's got a, a special present for you. If this is your second time, then we welcome you as part of our Passion Church family. If you will see Pastor Steve, I mean, if you'll see Pastor Andrew, this is what happens when I, people try to talk to me. I don't know. I can't talk and look at the same time. It's just a problem. Men, we just struggle. All right, if this is your second time, we welcome you to the Passion Church family. You can see Pastor Andrew in the back back there. They look about, they're about the same height. Uh, but if you'll see Pastor Andrew in the back back there, he's got a special present for you as well. While you're still filling out those cards, I'm going to remind you next week is going to be an incredible time. After both services, we're going to do water baptisms. And so it's not too late. If you would like to be baptized, then you still can. You can see me after the service. But we've got several people that we're going to baptize, and I know that God's going to do great and mighty things. And then uh, if you ordered your Yet shirts, make sure that you pick them up. They're in the green room, and you can, you can pick those up. And then we're going to encourage everybody, you can wear them next Sunday. So a week from today, you can wear your Yet shirts, and we'll all wear them together. And then don't forget, uh, we've got our worship night this Friday night. And we're going to just take a time, and we're just going to worship the Lord together. Amen? So make sure you make it time to come out to that. It's Friday night at 7 o'clock. So ushers, please come take up our morning tithes and offerings uh, I know that you've been staying faithful because we've got some incredible things happening at Passion Church, but I encourage you to stay faithful in your giving. buckets and collect all the cards and bring them. Wasn't that an incredible message this morning? If you don't know who that is, that's Pastor Steve's dad, incredible man of God. But what an incredible anointing to talk about holiness. Incredible. 
I hope one of you guys win this gift cards, but secretly I hope I do too. So I'm really torn on how to pray at the moment. pretty though nice valentine's colors everywhere men it's valentine's day (laughs) raise your hand if you didn't know no don't raise your hand get you in trouble Now listen, I'm going to put this over here. I'm going to look at you when I pull one out. Yeah, get it. Get them in here. Okay? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to think. <laughs> Almost had to have Andrew. I'm going to get one. Oh, 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 oh. So now we'll stir them all up. No pressure, right? We're going to pull out this one. And we're going to pull out one from real deep. Real deep. Hold it right there. Right there, I feel it. Timmy. I can't read the last name. Timmy. Ponder, maybe? Pointer. Timmy Pointer? Look at that. Last minute right there. See, I shuffle them around. Bless you, sir. And Stephanie Brown. You're very welcome. You guys enjoy that. Stand to your feet this morning. Just want to say a prayer of blessing over you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the people that you've entrusted to Passion Church. God, pray that you would anoint them, that you'd touch them, that you'd bless them. God, let them live holy this week, God. Lord Jesus, pray that you would keep them safe and protect them in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. We'll see you Friday night. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.